Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Shannon, I'll be doing the Bible reading for us this evening. Um, the reading is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Evening, everybody. Hi, good to see you all, those who are here in the building and those who are out there somewhere. It's good to, uh, to be with you tonight and to share with you from the scriptures in regards to the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. I'm going to pray and then if you want to look with me at the passage that I'm going to speak from, it's Ephesians chapter 1. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we look into chapter 1 of Ephesians, that our vision of you will grow larger and that our assurance of our salvation will be deepened. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you put a deposit on a house, it usually signifies that you intend to buy the house. Sometimes it doesn't work out and things fall through. If you receive an engagement ring, that means you intend to marry him. There is commitment to a lifelong relationship. An engagement ring can signify many things, but one thing it signifies is, you are mine and I am his. And that is what I want to look at this evening as we look through Ephesians chapter 1. I want to do it in this way. I want you to pretend that you're in a time machine. You can be in the H.G. Wells time machine if you want to or you can be in the Back to the Future time machine if you wish. Whichever one, it's up to you. But what I want to do this evening is to look at God working in regards to our salvation in the past, in the present and in the future. When someone writes something, you should always ask the question, well, why did they write that? You do an essay for uni. Why did you do it? Well, it's part of the course. I want to get through. Why did Paul write the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. It was to give the new Christians some security in regards to their salvation. So that is where you sort of think about what I'm going to say. 
A deposit on a house gives the seller sudden security that a buyer will go through with a purpose. And what we will do this evening is we'll take a look back into the past, what is happening in the present in our lives and what the future involves. There are three periods. Three periods, past, present, future, three people and three responses. First of all, let us get into our time machine and go back to verse in to verse 4, where it says this, For he, meaning God, chose us in him before the creation of the world. In other words, we are told there that the first person that we are looking at is God the Father, who decided that we would be believers in Jesus Christ. God chose us in Christ before the foundation, the creation of the world. And we're reminded of that again in verse 11, the first of the three verses that we're going to zero in on. It says, In him we were also chosen. So in Christ we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We are reminded here that those of us who trust in Jesus Christ and have received him as our Saviour do so because God planned before the world began that we would do so. Just think of it. Thousands or millions or billions of years ago, whenever it was, way back there sometime, God planned that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he planned that that would take place. Just as we make plans, you plan to come to church tonight and you did all sorts of things so that you got here. So too did God plan to save us. We sang about that in our first song. And now we move forward a little. We're still in the past. But we have got into our time machine and we have moved now to the second person that comes up into our big picture. And that is seen for us in verse 7. We are told there that we have been bought back by God. In Christ we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Our salvation comes about because God implements his plan which involves Jesus dying on the cross. So far, we've seen what God has done. He chose us. He sent Jesus to die for us. And now we move to the present and we move away from what God has done to what we have done. How come our sins have been forgiven. In verse 13, if you look at it, these words are written. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him 
with a seal. Two things that we do and one thing that God does is revealed to us here. In verse 13 it says, we heard the word of truth. In other words, some time back a person, maybe a Sunday school teacher, a fellowship leader, a friend, a parent or grandparent, somebody explained to you that the way to get to heaven is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and that you need to live with him as your captain coach or your principal guide through life. If I went round the room and say, asked you, how did you come to a faith in Jesus? You'd say, well, I learned it here or somebody told me there. Sometimes it may not be a person. A friend of mine came to a faith and trust in Jesus this way. He knew of the Bible. He knew that it was the, the biggest seller in the world. It was the best seller of any book. And he thought to himself, well, if this is the biggest seller in the world, I ought to read it. He wasn't Christian. There were no Christians in his family. He had nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. And he read the Bible and he became a Christian. So, here we have the first response of us is that we heard the word of God. And isn't it important for us to be telling others the word of God? And what did we do? Well, the second thing is told, we are told in verse 13 is you believed. You said to God something like this. I've done wrong. The Bible calls it sin. I believe Jesus died for me. Please forgive me and help me to live as a follower of Jesus. Or, if you were a little child, you might have just said something like this. God, I want to be your friend. Or, Jesus, please be my friend. I don't know. But it's something like that, isn't it? First of all, you heard... Second, you believed. As we move to the third response, which is God's response, I want to ask you this question. Will you still be a follower of Jesus Christ when you wake up tomorrow? Now, you might think that's a stupid question. But this really is the whole point of the sermon of this passage of the scriptures as we look at it tonight. Now you might, if I asked you that question, you might say something like, well, I've been a Christian a long time. If I asked some of the people of the court to eight service, they'd say, well, David, I've been a Christian for over 80 years. I'm not going to stop now. Fair point. And you might come out with lots of other reasons. But a lot of those reasons are actually built around yourself. And you see, we have no guarantee in regards to ourselves. For example, we all change. 
by ones who didn't wear glasses or have hearing aids. And I forget things. Yesterday, I went to the shops and I was trying to get out of the parking area. And so I backed back slowly and very carefully. And then all of a sudden, this woman starts to bang on her horn. And I stopped. And I looked to the left. The left. I'm dyslexic. That's why I wear a watch. I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I looked behind me and I couldn't see any danger. So I eased back again. And then she really rammed on the horn. And I thought, what is wrong with this woman? I thought, can't be me, but she started to point at my car. I thought, oh, what's wrong? So I got out of the car and on the roof of the car was the cup of coffee that I'd bought for Ruth. I packed everything into the car from Woolworths and then and I'd put the coffee on the top of the car while I did it and then got in the car and forgot. So you see we can't rest on our own selves and this is the point that Paul makes for us in verse 13. It says this, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What assures us of our salvation? A wax seal in the time of Jesus and Paul applied to a document meant that the deal was done. The seal used by princes, kings and nobles in the time of the Bible provided security. This is my wish. Here is my stamped seal. Go and do it. When you get engaged to somebody, you belong to somebody. When you become a Christian, you belong to God and are an authentic child of God. And if you look with me, in verse 14 it says, Who is a deposit? The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The word translated deposit has two meanings in Greek. The first is you put down some sort of security as if you were buying a house. The second is, it means an engagement ring. And so, and we know what an engagement ring means. It means that there is a commitment. And so here we're reminded that God has committed himself to each one of us. He so loved us that he chose us, that he sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and he doesn't leave us on our own. He's there now to support us. 
it says to us, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. We are to have an inheritance and I'll say a little bit about it in a moment. But looking around at this congregation, an inheritance isn't something that you're likely to be particularly all that interested in at the present time, a heavenly inheritance. Because statistically, most of you have probably got about another 60 years on this planet. And so your heavenly inheritance is there and I'll speak about that in a moment. But how does the Spirit help us until you get there? Stephen prayed and I wondered whether he'd chosen the words out of Colossians chapter 3 where it says this. Put to death therefore from verse 5 whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, even desires and greed which is idolatry. So as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ As it says at the beginning of the chapter, we are to put things off as followers of Christ and we are to put on other things. Verse 12 says to us, therefore as God's chosen people, again reminded that we are, uh, our identity is in Christ, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Now, how do you do that? It's difficult to do it on on your own, isn't it? But here we're reminded that this all-powerful God who created the world, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, has given us his spirit that is all-powerful, that helps us when we are tempted to be greedy or self-centred or nasty or unforgiving, to not do that, but rather to be compassionate, humble, gentle and patient. Now that is one way in which the Holy Spirit helps us. And another, of course, is life is not easy, is it? We all have our difficulties. There might be problems in your family situation. There might be difficulties in your studies. There might be work difficulties or health issues. And for us to struggle to deal with them on our own makes it very hard. But the scriptures tell us that God is with us. Jesus said that he would never leave us or forsake us. He is here within us to help us through those things. I'm responsible, as some of you might know, for our Wednesday morning congregation. Most of those people are single for one reason or another. 
Most are widows or widowers. During our, one of our lockdowns, many members of the congregation sent cards to those people. We provided the addresses and cards were sent to them. And I'm quite aware of just how much the older people appreciated it. We were all in the virus situation and yet members of the congregation took care to write to these older people and many of them said how wonderful it was and they brought the cards to me and they said, look David, I haven't got a clue who this person is. But isn't this wonderful? We support one another. And you see, that is what the Holy Spirit does. It supports you in your difficulties as well. And the last thing for me to say about the Holy Spirit is this, that it reminds us that we do have an inheritance. There is more to come The passage tells us that the best things in the Christian life are yet to come. It's heaven. Our time machine has moved to the future and Peter wrote these words in his first letter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade away, kept in heaven for you. When things are tough, looking to the future, to that goal that you want to achieve, helps you persevere. I will do this tough stuff now so that I end up with this good result. And that might be how it has to be for you as a follower of Jesus. We need to centre our thought around the future. Long distance runners don't look directly in front of them when they're running. The good ones look 30 metres ahead. They set their eye on something about 30 metres in front of them. And of course when they get there, it's the next 30 minutes. And that's what helps them keep going. And so it ought to be for us. We remember our inheritance. We keep our eyes firmly fixed, not on the things of this world, but on the future. Some people, when I ask them, do you think you'll go to heaven, say, well, I hope so. Why do they do that? There might be a number of reasons. First of all, they might not be Christians and they may 
and they may say such things as, well, I hope the good things I've done outweigh the bad things. Or they might be Christians who have not been taught very well in regards to the assurance of their salvation. Or they might be Christians who don't want to seem to be arrogant and have people think that they're full of themselves. And that's something we need to be careful of. But if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we can say, yes, I will go to heaven because I believe in Jesus and God has saved me. As we have travelled in our time machine, we have become aware that the grounds for our inheritance is basically that God chose us. Christ died for us in the past. In the present, we heard the word of God and responded and we live looking to the future as an engaged couple would where we are guaranteed a future inheritance. I'll pray. Our Father, we are overwhelmed that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world, that Christ redeemed us on the cross and you have given us an inheritance that we may continue to grow in our own certainty of our salvation and live to the praise of your glory. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.